All right. Hello? Hey. I'm in. I believe right. I'm in. All right, I'm in. Yeah. It sounds like we're all here. All right. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So I'm going to start off. So, hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome into Speak Out. I'm your host, Edward Ford. And you can follow me on Twitter at DMVSN underscore. And I am joined today by my good friends and co-hosts, Sue Bear and Drew. How's it going, Sue Bear? Hey, man, I'm doing well. You guys can follow me at PleaseWinDC on Twitter. How's it going, hey, Drew? good evening. I'm good. Good evening, guys. Uh, everyone can follow me on Twitter uh, at RoboStop10. All right. So those are my co-hosts today. Um, this is a podcast off to the side. It is not um, one of the podcasts that we do for DMVSportsNetwork.com. But you guys can still, as always, um, go on there and follow DMVSportsNetwork.com at DMV underscore SN. They have some great daily content up there on all things D.C. sports in addition to fantasy football, tennis, and other sports. So be sure to check them out. Also be sure to subscribe to to our podcasts that are available. And let's get right into it. So um, as I sent out to you guys, this was a fun-filled week. Um, There were some great games over the weekend from the NFL. So I wanted to get started with uh, the winners and losers from the Week 8 NFL schedule and the games that were you know, nationally televised or that were on. So, Super, I want you to go ahead and go first. Give me your winners or losers, um, your top six teams of winners or losers from week eight. Okay. Um, I pretty much have four specific teams that I have for the winners. Um, I have okay. the, Eagle, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Texans. I think all of them got really big wins this week. Eagles playing in that London game. They have to keep pace with the Skins, as we know, and uh, they are able to beat Jacksonville. Um, Bengals, I think, really kind of proved that they're still a real team. That was a crazy game against Tampa Bay, but they pulled that out on a last-minute drive. They got into field goal range. They can definitely put up points. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in the Bengals. Obviously, we have to see if they make and what they do in the playoffs, but um, I think they had a strong week. Seahawks as well, silently kind of showing their stuff. Russell is just, like, going off almost every game now. Their offense can put up points. Um, and then the Texans, that's, what, five wins in a row now? Um, after starting zero yeah. and three, um, their offense looks unstoppable as well. Like uh, Hopkins is, I think, a top two receiver in the league, honestly. And now Deshaun Watson's looking more comfortable. Um, so they're a team to watch for sure. Those are my winners. Okay, so what are your? Um, do you have a top four losers or a top yeah. six losers for week eight? Um, really, I got three specific teams for the losers: is the Ravens, Jacksonville, and the Packers, in no specific order. The Ravens now two losses in a row after looking like serious, like even Super Bowl contenders, even though it's early. Um, their offense, I think Flacco is not as strong as he looked earlier in the year, and their defense, as good as it, you know, everyone talks about, they gave up big points to um, to Cam Newton and the Panthers this past week. Jacksonville just like really crumbling, falling apart. Um, they had that whole Blake Bortles situation. Now the defense can't really get many stops. So not what we expected out of Jacksonville. And then the Packers, who had such a good chance to try and beat the undefeated Rams uh, yesterday, just couldn't get it done. Just a stupid play in the final play. Could have been a huge win for them, but that's a big loss um, on the road. So those are my three Those are my three main losers. All right, Drew. So I want you to go ahead and uh, give me the amount of teams that you have for your Week 8 winners, and then after that you can follow that by your Week 8 losers. Yeah, sure. I, I kind of came up um, 
uh, with with four of my own. Uh, I think for the winners, um, I think the Redskins um, are one of them because I think they solidified their their spot up at the top of the division, especially with um, Dallas on a uh, a bye week. Uh, and coming up on this week, you're going to have the Giants and the Eagles coming up on a bye. So I think that this next game against Atlanta is going to be big for them. Uh, they can increase their lead to a two-game lead in the division. Um, and they're 5-1 in the conference. So they're just playing really, really well right now. Their defense is spectacular. Um, I think the Rams, um, they had a great, hard game against uh, one of the top offensive teams in the league with um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, they, it was kind of back and forth. Uh, they had a big special teams play to be able to seal it, and they stay undefeated, the only undefeated team left in the league. Um, and they've got a, they kind of have a couple tough spots in their schedule coming up. Um, they're going to be playing the Saints. They got to play the Eagles. Um, but if they can get, if they are, if they're undefeated in their last two games of the year, uh, the only reason that they would be in not undefeated is if they decide to sit people for their last two, which would be divisional games. Um, the other team that I thought uh, had a good weekend would be New Orleans. Um, they've just been kind of steady after the first few weeks. Um, I think their defense is a little suspect, uh, but nobody can discount Breeze and what he brings to the field and how he plays. Um, they're 6-1. and one. They've won six in a row, um, and they're sitting at the top of their division um, playing really well. Uh, and my last team, uh, I thought they had a, a great weekend, was Kansas City. Um, a good matchup against Denver. Uh, I don't think it was uh, – it was close until about the third quarter and um, Mahomes was able to generate a couple of drives and, and they put it away. Um, he's my MVP. Uh, I think my candidate for the year, I'm just uh, really, really surprised as how he's played. Uh, Andy Reid must be a quarterback whisperer out there because he just uh, has him playing well. Yeah. Um, for my losers for, for this week, um, the giants, uh, you know, right now, you know, Eli, it appears is done. Uh, I, I suspect that he'll probably be benched for the following week. Um, their next game, uh, you know, their, their defense isn't playing well. Their offensive line has injuries. Uh, you know, they got Saquon and, um, and Beckham, but they need more than just those two contributing, uh, you know, and, and the Redskins tore them apart this weekend. Um, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, they went, you know, Fitzpatrick started and then he had a bad game. They went to Winston and he threw four awful interceptions yesterday. Um, and he, he got benched again for Fitz, Fitzpatrick, who's been now named the starter for next week. Uh, I just think that team moves better with Fitzpatrick at, at the, at the quarterback position. Uh, their biggest issue now is what do you do with Winston? Uh, does he get traded? Uh, you know, they've got a decision to make. Uh, about him and do you draft a quarterback this coming season? Um, and uh, that goes into the next team, which is Jacksonville. You know, they had last year, they had the same decision with Bortles and gave him a contract and Jacksonville's just fallen apart. Um, you know, I think their biggest problem is that their defense is not getting off the field. They don't have a running game because Fournette has been hurt most of the year. I think he's only played in like one or two games with his hamstring. Um, they really just are a mess. Um, and the last team, which, you know, everyone knows today that Hugh Jackson and uh, Haley got fired in Cleveland yeah. is, is the Browns. Um, and I think, uh, specifically, uh, Mayfield kind of is losing out on this. Um, I think that, you know, he's going to have to probably learn a new offense, uh, because uh, Greg Williams is now the head coach and have to either, 
you know, someone's going to get promoted or they're going to bring somebody in. Uh, you know, he's going to have to kind of they're going to have to find a quarterback coach to uh, fit him. Big, so it'll be interesting to see point. what happens in the offseason with Mayfield. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the um, on the Baker Mayfield situation in Cleveland. Um, as we all know, um, it's, it's you know, it's, it's disappointing for the Cleveland situation, because every year that you get one hope of one win or two wins, that, that town, that city, that area of Ohio, just, you know, they believe that they're going to win eight or nine games and then something terrible to that team. They can never survive either a, a quarterback for more than one or two years or B they can never survive a coach for more than one or two years. They're looking, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Redskins who are always firing coaches after two years or promoting somebody and all the new QBs. That's who the Cleveland Browns are right now. All the new quarterbacks. They got a long list of that. They definitely at least, I would say are at least headed in the right direction. As crazy as it sounds, they have their franchise QB. The defense I think is real at times, but it still needs work, but they have pieces there. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. Um, But yeah, Yeah. it's all, it's all about who they are long term with the coach at this point. They, yeah, because I mean, I do agree. I said that they, I, I agree that they were already when they hired Baker Mayfield and did those free agency all season signings, that they were probably two yeah. to three years away, maybe two, but I give them three years away from being a contender because that that division they're in is getting worse. The Ravens will not have Joe Flacco for long term. Big Ben keeps coming back, but at some point in time he's going to be done. You have to think that's next year or the year after next. And if you look at the team in Cincinnati, they're not going to have Andy Dalton for a long time. And they're not consistent with winning every year or doing anything in the playoffs. They're eventually going to blow that team up, too. Yeah, I, I think Cleveland has been poorly run for years. And, and they've wasted uh, a lot of draft picks, a lot of talent. Um, I think that with the way that when the, the new general manager came in um, and decided, hey, this is how we're going to build this team through the draft – um, they finally had themselves a direction. Um, and I, I actually like Mayfield a lot. Um, I think that he's going to be a good quarterback in the, in the league. Um, he has the potential to be a good, consistent top 10 quarterback. Um, you got to get, have to put pieces around him. Um, you're going to have to make sure that he, you know, he has the right fit. Now, does that mean that Lincoln Riley, for example, from Oklahoma, who I actually, uh, I think is going to be an NFL quarterback sooner than rather than later is his answer. I'm not sure. Uh, but you, you know, everyone talks about having a coach that fits your quarterback or system fits your quarterback and making, and making sure that they gel. I think that's going to be the biggest, the biggest key for them in the off season. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. So, um, I'm going to give you guys, and I have six on each side actually for the week eight winners and week eight losers. So for my week eight winners, I, I obviously have to put at the top right now is the Rams. They keep finding ways to win. Um, you know, they keep playing teams that should have a chance to beat him. Ty Montgomery bringing that ball out yesterday crushed the um, Green Bay Packers. He should have never did that. The coach told him not to bring it out. When you have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL history and, and still playing in the NFL, and he has two minutes to run that ball out, I mean, to take that ball down the field. Just for a field mistake. goal. You do not do that. Just for a field goal. You didn't even need a touchdown. And you have one of the best kickers in the league. You have a top five field goal kicker on your sideline and you have the top at least in the top three right now and quarterbacks on your sideline and you bring the ball out because you're not humble enough to understand that you didn't have the ball thrown your way that maybe because it was because the coverage was on you 
Like, he, when he made that mistake, that was a huge <laughs> mistake that he made. And it should have never happened. That would have never happened from the Redskins if that was the case. Because you know you're not going to bring that ball out. Why do you want to – you're bringing the ball out to where he landed at the 15-20. If you would have kept it in the end zone, you'd have been five more yards down the field. And we know the NFL is a game of inches. Five yards can mean a whole lot. And it meant nothing once you put the ball on the ground. So the Rams was my number one team. Um, the Saints, you got Drew Brees. Um, the way Drew Brees is playing since they lost to the Buccaneers, which is one of the only wins, um, one of the three only wins that the Buccaneers have, um, was against the Saints. But since that loss, um, Drew Brees has been playing out of his mind. Um, I think he has, like, what, 14 touchdowns, one interception since uh, week one. So he threw his first interception last night against Minnesota. Um my number three team is the Redskins. Um, number one, they surprised a whole lot of people. Um, they have a great defense. I think their defense is already elite or will be elite next year when they go into that draft and probably take another defensive player in that first or second round. Um, Allen Payne Ioannidis is a beast up front. They help out Ryan Kerrigan, and they allow Preston Smith to set the edge. I think with Preston Smith, he is not the linebacker that's going to get you eight to ten sacks a year. But what, he allow, what you allow Preston Smith to do with Payne, Allen, and Ioannidis is you allow him to set the edge with Kerrigan. Now your quarterbacks that are running quarterbacks can't always slide out of the pocket because Payne, Ioannidis, and Allen are going to come up the middle. So pretty much just about every time quarterbacks like Cam Newton, who they played, um, even Aaron Rodgers, who's mobile. Um, if you go back and even look at uh, Dak Prescott, those quarterbacks, the mobile quarterbacks, were not able to get out of the pocket as much as they wanted to because they set the edge, they closed in, and they collapsed the offensive line. So they did not allow, you know, those quarterbacks to get outside the pocket because of what they have solidified on that front five. Um, and I think that they are a sleeper team right now. At five and two, nobody had them there. And I think there's a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people disrespecting the Redskins because of their offense. But they don't really see what they have because of the defense. Um, I know Alex Smith has not gotten to the top. But we're only seven weeks in for the Redskins. They have nine more weeks to go. At some point in time, you have to think Alex Smith is going to explode. Jameson Crowder is out. He'll be back probably, hopefully, in the next two or three weeks. So you have to think at some point in time that they're going to explode. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow with the trade deadline? Um, my fourth team is the Panthers. They keep finding ways to win, even though, again, that's another team that lost to my Redskins. They just seem to be able to find ways to rent to win. Um, Cam Newton still has his legs to run as long as, again, he doesn't play a uh, front four, front five team that's able to stop the quarterback. Um, my fifth team I have to put up there is the Seahawks. They have quietly started climbing that ladder. They're a team you have to pay attention to, and there's a team you have to look at. Um, they won that Super Bowl about three, four years ago. You cannot sleep on them, even though they don't have that same defense, because if they get on a roll, just like some other teams in front of, you know, them like the Panthers or Redskins have, they can be that team that you look up and say, oh, my goodness, they're 6-3 and three now. Like, where did this come from? So, again, it's not a team to look, um, to look, you know, back on and say, oh, they're out. They're still in this mix. And my surprise is the Bears. The Bears are first in their division. I'm going to give them the biggest winner this weekend because with the Packers losing, which they should have won, it, it, this gives them a chance to take over that division. My problem for the Bears is who else do they have besides Khalil Mack? Because Khalil Mack, I think, was even out this weekend. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're, you're relying too much on Khalil Mack, which is why I really love the way the Redskins are playing. They don't have one guy that they're relying on 
They have Payne Allen, everybody, like I said, Josh Norman, even Fabian Moreau, who's not doing too bad. Um, it's, they're just not relying on one single player. But when you look at the Bears, they're relying – so that's, the, that's my suspect is the Bears' defense. But so far, so good. They've been able to allow their offense to take them to their all-time high, and their defense is what's worse. So it's kind of like the Bears and Redskins are the opposite, but they're leading their division right now. Um, my week eight losers have to be the Packers at one. Again, I'm sorry. I know it's not their defense because their defense did pretty darn good against the Rams. Um, they sacked Jared Goff a lot. They stopped Todd Gurley in the first half. Um, the biggest problem was Ty Montgomery bringing that ball out. Should have never happened, and that's why they go down to my biggest losers of the week. Um, the Ravens, just like you said, Drew, and you said, Ansuvir, the Ravens started off good. They were 4-2, and two, okay? They look like a team that can win 12 games at the most, mm-hmm. and that could be that two seed in the, e, uh, in the uh, AFC. But then they fell off. You know, they lost to the Saints, another close game that the Saints were playing in. They also lost to now the um, Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Big losses. They have to find a way to win this next game or else they could be done because you can't get behind on a team like the Bengals and the uh, Steelers. So you're going to have to play again. And at that point in time, if you play them and you're under 500, you're fighting for a playoff spot and they're fight. They're just fighting for, they're probably fighting for a spot that they're already in at that moment. If you guys see what I'm saying. So at that moment, the Ravens have to win this week nine matchup. The Lions are my biggest loser. They had a chance to take a step forward to go four and three. Now they dropped back below 500. They went out and got Snap Harrison and ultimately didn't be, wasn't able to do anything with them during week one. I mean, during not week one, but the first week with them being there. So I understand he just got there. I understand they traded him on like a Monday or Tuesday, so he didn't have that much time to jail, but they, they should have done better. Um, my number four, I'm sorry, Minnesota is my fourth loser of the week. You paid Kirk Cousins $84 million. I love Kirk Cousins. He was with my Redskins. But you paid him $84 million to do what he did yesterday. Now, his defense didn't help him. The defense is a little suspect right now. They can't cover for nothing. But my biggest problem is you gave up all this money to Kirk Cousins, which did not allow you to go out and get small pieces to fix your defense. And as everybody's saying, when you pay a guy $84 million, just like they went out and paid Aaron Rodgers, okay, and they go out and pay these guys like Tom Brady. You want that quarterback to be able to take you over the top and be able to contend with those other type of quarterbacks, Drew Brees. I get it. Drew Brees is a top-two quarterback. He broke a record against the Redskins on Monday night. He is a wonderful quarterback that is really short in the pocket but can get passes over everybody and anybody in this NFL. But you paid the guy $84 million and you're 4-3-1, and one, and the Bears are leading your division. Your defense stinks. And your quarterback has 16 touchdowns to four interceptions, but he threw a critical one yesterday, but that was on Stefan Diggs for not continuing to run his route. But again, it's still a problem because you paid him $84 million to be able to contend with these other quarterbacks. And he has an up and down week. One week he's great. The next two weeks he's bad. The next two weeks he's good. The next two weeks he's bad. And you can't have that with an $84 million quarterback. Um, my fifth team is the Jaguars. I don't know what happened to the Jaguars after last year but they stinking it up right now this year. <laughs> I expected the Jaguars to at least be another team like the Redskins that can have their defense keep them in games and win 10 or 11 games. That's exactly what the Redskins are this year, of the Jaguars of last year. The Jaguars went far in their playoffs because of what? Their defense. 
they had some good games with offense, but their defense played well. And my last team is the $100 million court coach. <laughs> How, I mean, the Raiders are, are just horrible right now. I understand they're trading away players, but they're horrible. They're horrible. They were played so well yesterday and still lost. And that's what happens to a team that just isn't playing well at all. And just you're trading away people. Khalil Mack, then Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. I don't know what's going on with the Raiders besides trading away picks and having like almost a million picks for next year in 2020. But right now they're just God awful. I mean, they make me throw up just looking at their <laughs> logo right now. Like it's just horrible. I expected them to be good. Yeah, but I think that I think you're right. I think what they're doing is they're they're gathering up picks and they're going to go and build the team through the draft. I mean, that's how you have to do it. Uh, and sal- I mean, they, there is a salary cap. You know, there's on, only so much money to go around, and so I think that's what they're doing. Uh, just to touch real quick on your on the Minnesota issue, um, I think the problem with Minnesota right now is they don't have a running game. Um, Dalvin Cook's out that's again. Um, Latavius Murray has had a couple good games. But they don't, no one's thre- they're not threatening anybody with a running game. So they can load the box and come after Cousins. Uh, their offensive line, um, they're missing. Um, they've had Rife hurt. Uh, they're, you know, Compton's been out. Uh, on the defensive side, they got six starters out right now. Um, uh, and and the, the main one, uh, they're, you know, they're missing a corner. Uh, Xavier Rhodes has been out. And Sandejo, their safety's out. So uh, I think they've got a lot of other issues. Um, going on with with their team and i think it's just right now a perfect storm of things not like you said it clicks one week um and then uh, you know the next week something you know they are they they, it's you know like an engine it misses and then they have a stumble um but that division is not nobody's running away with it i think that division is going to come down to the end of the year yeah that's 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 true Kirk, I guess, will never have a run game, right? He didn't have it uh, with the skins that he <laughs> there. But I tell you nope. what, though, he's got two of the best receivers in the whole league, man. I mean, that receiving core is serious, and I think that's why they're in every game. I mean, Kirk can sling it. Thielen and Diggs, man. I mean, talk about fantasy gods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have Stephon Diggs on my um... – on my fantasy team, and yeah, he helped same. me out a lot. I mean, I could still possibly lose this fantasy game tonight if the Bills don't just let the Patriots score every down. But, I mean, you know, it, it's it's crazy. It's, it's down on Kirk. Pay a guy $84 million, which is why the Redskins didn't. Because look at how great the Redskins defense is now. But then think about if you give a guy $30 million up front. Don't get me wrong. The Redskins drafted well, and that's why they're they're they're, they're great right now. They're young. Their average age is 26.2 years old. So, they're, they're, you know, you're used to the Redskins having an average age of, like, 33, like Smith and, and, and Peterson. But those are two guys that are like – And it's not that I'm down on Kirk Cousins. I love Kirk Cousins. I'm a Kirk Cousins supporter. I still got a Kirk Cousins shirt, and I wear it when the Redskins win because I support him. The problem is you pay the guy so much money up front that's never going to be elite. He's never going to be a Drew Brees. He's never going to be a Tom Brady. And that's ultimately what you paid Kirk Cousins, that type of money. Can Kirk Cousins win you a Super Bowl if you give him a running game? Yeah. He doesn't have that. Dalvin Cook is another Leonard Fournette. They can't stay on the field. Both of those guys were drafted, and they stay hurt every year. The last two years, that's, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook have been on the sideline. Now, I'm not trying to go off on their running back because my own running back, Doris Geis, is on the sideline. But what I'm saying is the Redskins went out and found somebody, luckily, I guess, in a sense, right? 
And this 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 thirty three old running back is running behind the best offensive line that there is in football right now. But you don't even have and, and, and you know, you said that they have a run they don't have a running game. Let's be honest, they also don't have that good of an offensive line at all, neither. So when you don't have a running game, you can't protect Kirk Cousins. What do you what do you expect him to do? You don't expect him to do a whole lot. But, Kirk but Cousins, when you pay him that much, you want him to overcome these things, and that's what he was never able to do. You and know, that's what I, and that's what I'm Rogers. saying, right? That's and that's what I, and that's what I'm saying. So now you get my point. Yeah. If you are going to pay a guy eighty four million dollars, you're paying a guy eighty four million dollars to come back from these ten point deficits. If you pay Tom Brady eighty four million dollars, you pay Aaron Rodgers eighty four million dollars, you pay Big Ben eighty four million dollars when he was closer into his prime, even though he's getting older, and still now those guys can come back from ten points down and sit with six minutes on the clock. You cannot give those guys the ball back with even a minute left because they have receivers like Antonio Brown, you know, to go down the field and get a 70-yard bomb. That's the problem that Kirk Cousins is never going to be. And he's going to have the most money from the NFL in the last six years, but will never, in my opinion, because he's not the type of quarterback that you expect him to be. And that's the biggest problem right there for me. Well, the, the issue with him here in Washington was they had a chance to wrap him up. But the, the issue being is that the ma- management didn't believe in what they, they were sold on what they, you know, because they drafted him, drafted him and RG3 in the same year. Yeah, um, two different Two different rounds. And so they, they didn't have any confidence in him. And they, he knew that they didn't have confidence in him the way that he was kind of treated. But if you had wrapped him up a couple years early, and from a, from a team standpoint, I can see where the reluctance would be because what is his track record? He's only played a half a season. He's only played six games or whatever it was at the time because RG3 had been hurt. But you had Deshaun Jackson around him. You had Garcon. You had Reed. Um, the, the, really, the only thing you really didn't have, get, have for him was a running game. But you got into the playoffs with that group. Yeah, the, following year you, the following year, you come back, and management says, you know what? Let's we're gonna let Jackson go, we're gonna let Garcon go, and we're just gonna have a bunch of Not second tier players. guys around him. Yet he still throws for four thousand yards. So the my my issue with it is I think he's on the fringe of top ten. I don't think he's really a top ten quarterback based upon everybody else in the league. However, the guy so far this year has thrown for over 300, uh, 300 yards, all but three games. He it's, has. It's crazy. He only to thrown. Our guys only going one fifty now. Correct, and he's only thrown four interceptions in eight games. So he has sixteen touchdowns to four interceptions. And so, right, right. so at least he, his offense is putting up points. He's still he's, put. Yeah, he's still putting up the points. Um, but again, you're right. He, I think sometimes he tries to do too much. Um, what, what, quarter, what quarterback doesn't, you know? Yeah. And, I still and, wish and that, he was with us, but, you know. Oh, trust me. I wish he was still with us. Like I said, I, I support Kirk Cousins 100%. Um, but not he at does that win the Super Bowl, But not – no, no, no. Not at that – if we had Adam uh, – we had Thielen Diggs and, and, and Geis was on the field or Peterson doing this, then heck, yeah, I'll take you at 84 million because now we got a great defense and a great offense. We have the offensive line. We have every piece that you need to make that run at the Super Bowl. So at that moment, if you have those pieces around, maybe not $84 million, a lot less. But Kirk Cousins wasn't staying regardless. He wanted money. He wanted to be paid. That was his problem. And my problem with Kirk Cousins is here's a key thing. I'm going to bring up a a game you guys are going to remember. A flex game. Week 17. 
425 against the Giants. Sat every play that the Giants had. You're driving down the field. You got a minute and like 50 seconds left. You took two to three passes, and it got you down to the 40 or the 30-yard line. You got pressure in your face. You just tossed the ball up. What happens? It's picked off. Yeah, that is the my problem with Kirk throw. Cousins. The back foot throw that Kirk always would resort to in, like, crunch time. And that's, that's, yep, that's, the and that's what kills time. me. That is my backbreaker of Kirk Cousins. He cannot just – okay, you know what the difference between Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith is? Alex Smith is not going to give another team 1,700 chances in the game with the interception. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is going to force it, take his chances, and lose. And that's his problem. He takes chances whether he's going to lose or win, which is okay because people say Kirk Cousins took chances down the field, right? But when he took those chances down the field, it resulted in interceptions more than it should have. He Actually, threw for 20-plus touchdowns every year he was here. But he always had 12 to 14 interceptions because the chances he took down the field are the ones that he forced. And, and well, that was one of was one of the reasons one of his big his detractors said, well, he he never took a chance down the field. He always was checking it down. Uh, but again, you know, if you look at, I, I compare Alex Smith and Cousins now because obviously Alex is, was the one that placed him. Do you see a difference between the two? Um, okay, Alex missed. I'll tell you this. I see a. Fall I'm just saying that that. Alex Smith missed sprinkle on a wide open on a touchdown throw, um, in uh, not in the um, I think it was in the Gi- I think it was the Giants game this weekend. Um, no, 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 that was in the game. I'm sorry, the prior game. You're right, prior game against Dallas. Uh, now Alex is not making the turnovers. However, some of his throws have been awful. Um, oh, like probably. the one the one down the field against the Giants uh, in the game on Sunday that almost could have been a pick but wasn't. Um, you know, he. Alex Smith doesn't even have the tools around him he had in Kansas City. Not really a running game. I mean, he got AP now, but I mean, you had, he had Hunt, Tyree, uh, he had Tyreek Hill, he had Kelsey. Um, you know, it's not translating to the Redskins just because of personnel, in my opinion. Um, That's true. But, th- but I agree with you. The way this defense is playing, this team can make noise as long as they keep, you know, keep possession of the ball properly, manage the game. Because right now they're not turning the ball over much, um, That's true. and they're 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 competing in every game outside of New Orleans. But who who really does with New Orleans at times? Um, but they they're there. Um, they're in first place. Uh, if they can keep this up, uh, they could be a they could be a problem for somebody come come playoff time, at least well, in the early rounds before you get to the you know get to the top two. And that and that's why I want to move on to. I want your – so we're in week eight. You know, everybody likes to do their, their six playoff teams in each conference. So I want um, – this time, Drew, I want you to tell me your best teams in the NFC right now and where would you see them? And your best team in the AFC, where would you see them at right now? Um, just looking at how – if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, um, I think they're pretty – I think they're pretty well seated. Um, for the NFC side, um, the Rams are the class of the, of the conference. Um, I suspect that they will most likely be the number one seed going into the playoffs. Um, New Orleans is right behind them, keeping pace right now. Um, I think that they'll um, – I don't see them losing much ground unless, the, you know, injuries – to any of these teams, injuries, injuries could turn things around worse for them. Uh, but I've got New Orleans as my number two. Um, right now, I've got Washington three. Um, uh, ahead of Carolina, who's four – but because they beat Carolina head-to-head, and they played them pretty well. Um, 
So I've got Washington slotted in at number three with the way that they're playing. Uh, their schedule is very favorable down the stretch. Um, you Carolina, I have, yes, uh, they've still got two games with. They still have two games with Philly, but um, that's late the, in the year. They don't. And yeah, and, and at gonna that be, point, what I like yeah. about that schedule, not to cut you off, what I like about that schedule is they have them so late that what if they have this division already wrapped up before then? How how yeah. and the reason I, the reason I say that is because I think they play them week thirteen. I think it's like week twelve or thirteen. The only reason I know that because a I'm not going to be in town, so I'm going to have to watch the game in Vegas at five p.m. But um, they may have that division already locked up because of like you said the keyword a favorable schedule. Yes, they have a hard game against the Falcons, but the Falcons don't have a run de- uh, running game. So at that moment, you could really drop a lot of people in the box and contend with Coleman and, and Julio Jones, who can't even get into the end zone. And if you could stop their run with the front four or five and put everybody in the box to, you know, pass protect, at that moment, if you, if you still a win against the Falcons, you're going to be – I don't want to say given because any given weekend somebody can win, but you're, you're going to be favored against the Bucks by, like, seven points. And at that point, you may find yourself at seven and two, and you still have not played the Cowboys yet again that you play on Thanksgiving, okay? And you still got to play Houston. Yes, they have Hopkins, but guess who's out? Now they don't have a second receiver. Fuller's out for the year. So now you don't have to worry about anybody else but Hopkins. So that's even a favorable schedule. The rest of the schedule, per the percentage right now, they play is .343. The easiest schedule in the NFL. So what I'm saying is don't be surprised if the Redskins reel off eight or nine straight before they lose a game because they're playing teams that they can beat. I'm not saying I'm not scared of J.J. Watt or Javion Clowney, but this team has an offensive line that can block those people. We face teams already that have, um, you know, uh, Clay Matthews and all those type of guys. We face those type of teams already, and we still pass protected. So this offensive line is good enough to protect those other great people on the other side of the ball on the defense. So I'm just saying, don't be surprised if the Redskins really lost six, seven, eight in a row. They've already got this division locked up before they even play the Eagles because the Eagles is a week-to-week team. People yeah. don't want to give up on them only because they won the Super Bowl. Let's be honest. Because they won the Super Bowl, that's why people don't want to give up on them. But people can't seem to understand that the Eagles are probably not winning this division this year. Their defense can't hold a lead. They give you 17 or nothing lead, and you still lose to the Titans? I mean, that's horrible. That's horrible. I don't know what to tell anybody. Yeah, I don't know how to tell anybody that. Well, they are playing. They certainly are um, playing inconsistent right now. Um, you know, because they didn't have Wentz the first few games of the year due to his uh, his knee injury from last year. Um, they're they're hurting at the running back position as well. Ajayi's out. This, they've got Smallwood. They're talking about trying to go get Le'Veon Bell. What will they have to give up to get him? Whether well, or not they get him or not, you know, who knows? They can't. They can't get him because I think he. He, had to he hasn't signed his, his tender yet. Right. Correct. I think he has to do that by tomorrow. And if he doesn't do that tomorrow, yes. then he's not even tradable. Correct. Correct. So that will um, be off the but, tables at 4 o'clock tomorrow if he doesn't sign. Yeah. So, I mean, now, New Orleans' schedule is pretty tough. I mean, they got the Rams next week. Um, this is this is the rest of their schedule. They, got, they have the Rams at home. They go on the road to Cincinnati. Then they have the Eagles at home, Falcons at home. Then they go on the road to Dallas, to Tampa, to Carolina three weeks in a row and finish up with the Steelers and the Panthers. So if they stumble somewhere in that schedule and the Redskins can overcome theirs in, in their certain spots, they potentially, Redskins could end up being the number two seed in the, in the, in the conference. I don't see it um, at the moment with the way the Saints uh, are playing, uh, but that's not out of the possibility that they could jump them um, if they continue to play consistently. 
Um, like I said, I, I Carolina fourth. Uh, I have Chicago still uh, slotted at fifth. I, I, Trubisky is just playing every game he plays better. Uh, he's markedly improved uh, from last year. Um, Max out on their defense, but their defense is, is formidable even without him. Um, so depending how long he's out may decide where, the, where they finish. Um, you know, Seattle's jumped into the number six spot right now. Um, I don't, I'm not so sure that they stay there. Um, I think that the one team that could push them, even though that they're having a rough, kind of a rough time right now, uh, is Green Bay. I mean, you can't count the way that, um, that, um, that Rogers plays and what he can do on the field. Um, they right now are my wild card, probably behind Seattle trying to jump up. Uh, and get in. Um, and like I said, you know, the Eagles are there too. Like you, you were just saying, Ed, um, being that they're four and four anyway, at this point, they're not out of it. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, with that group. Uh, and real quick with the AFC, um, I pretty much have them as they're seated now. Uh, again, Kansas city, just the, the, the class of their conference, new England, I have at number two. Um, those two are going to be kind of fighting it out. I think for where they finish. Um, the Chargers are consistent, uh, playing consistently. Um, they, I have them at third in the third spot. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, James Conner's just taking his his uh, his uh, opportunity, and he is just balling right now. I, I've I've I'm really impressed with how he's played. I thought he was going to get his fair share of carries and everything, but but he's just playing well. Uh, he's made it Le'Veon Bell an afterthought. Um, and Houston, um, I think that they're I've been number five in Cincinnati six. I think those two teams right now are not so solidly set. Uh, they've got their issues. They have their injuries. Um, they've got other teams behind them that are really chasing them. Um, and so, you know, in the, in the, in the AFC North where Cincinnati, um, you have Baltimore lurking, you still have Pittsburgh there. Um, those particular teams um, are within like a game or a half game of each other. You know, Cleveland's two and five. They're not much of a factor, uh, but that's going to be a knockdown drag out fight in the AFC North for, for the, for the division. And um, I think for the one wild card spot. Um, so that's where I have my teams out uh, right now. Um, uh, looking uh, towards the playoffs here, halfway through. All right. So uh Sue Bear. What do you sure have as your one through six for the NFC and one through six for the AFC? All right, starting with the NFC, uh, Drew, you and I have the first, uh, the same top three rather: uh, Rams, Saints, and Redskins. Uh, Rams are not just the class of the NFC, but also the AFC or both conferences, um, because I think their defense is better than the Chiefs or the Patriots as well. So Rams, Saints, Vikings. Uh, I'm sorry, Rams, Saints, Redskins. The one thing I'll say about the Redskins, as good as their defense is, to, to truly make me buy into this defense, I want to see what they do against the Falcons this week. Because while the Falcons are a bit one-dimensional, it, I need to see if they can stop that passing game. Um, because the last two weeks you played Dallas and the Giants, who while they have good running backs, they're fairly one-dimensional. They don't have too strong of a passing game. So where I think the secondary is kind of a bit of the weakness of the Redskins D. If you had to pick something, that's where I want to see uh, if they can prove me and show me that, yeah, this defense can stop the run and it can stop the pass. Um, 
and then so that's top three. And then at the four slot, I would put the Panthers just because I think their offense is very dynamic. And Cam with McCaffrey and company just can be hard to stop. And Cam sh- has shown his clutch gene uh, every now and then, even though uh, we were able to stop and as, skin- as Skins fans. But Panthers have my number four spot. Then I have the Vikings. Uh, while they are kind of floundering and we've talked about Kirk and everything, I still think that offense is potent. Um, Thielen and Diggs are a handful. If your corners cannot handle it, it can be a long day. And I think their defense is starting to kind of play up to their name a bit more. And then uh, in the sixth spot in the NFC, I have the Eagles because Carson Wentz is kind of coming into his own more and more, uh, feeling more healthy. He uh, t- still makes some incredible throws and plays, man, every game. You know, you you think you have him wrapped up and they'll, like, just sling out of there and make, like, a 30-yard pass to Alshon Jeffrey or, or anyone, really. Um, so that Yeah, to out. hit on that, to hit yeah. on that, he better be careful, though, because he already tore the ACL. And he's, yeah, he's, having, he, he's having to put so much weight on that because he's not able to run once he's wrapped up. So he's falling forward. And the last thing you need is that defender to roll on your knee, and then that, there goes the Eagles' season. Because I'm telling you right now, Nick Foles is the quarterback I don't trust. Not the way he started this year when Carson Wentz couldn't play. That's why they was back and forth to begin with. So I, I just I, I, I feel for Carson Wentz last year because he should have been MVP. But he wasn't because he got hurt. So to be MVP, you got to play, you know, the full 16 weeks, I believe, and then into the playoffs. But Or not into the playoffs, but just play the full 16 weeks of the regular season. But he needs to be careful because he's taking some shots and he's taking a lot of big hits. And that's what got him into having a torn ACL. Yeah, and look, as Redskins fans, we all know how that goes with RG three. The next yeah. season is is so it's it's so fragile. You know, any wrong hit, any weird fall could just it's, it's jeopardize. Just, yeah, jeopardize the whole season. So I agree with you. Um, so that's my NFC. Um, so my AFC, a uh, little bit of a surprise. I actually have the Patriots as the top team, um, because I think that when it comes down to it. I'm picking them on a neutral field against anyone in the league. Um, offensively, they're clicking. Uh, they've, they've got Gronk. They've got a run game. I guess Sony Michelle is that – I don't really know the update on his injury, but even with James White still, um, it, the Patriots are the Patriots, and they beat the Chiefs, who are my number two team. Mahomes is obviously – superstar it, it's ridiculous what Andy Reid can do with these quarterbacks and obviously I've like tweeted it before Hill and Hunt are like the best two athletes like on the universe they like jump over people every game um that didn't Tyreek Hill get hurt yesterday did he I'm not sure about that yes he did Tyreek Hill got hurt did he leave the game he left the game for, I think it was uh I think it was a hamstring but uh, don't quote me okay well, yeah, and they, and another thing is Mahomes has started to throw some picks every now and then. He's up to six, which I think he's thrown in the last, like, three games, six over three games or something like that. Um, but moving on to the third slot, I would put the Chargers over the Texans, who I was kind of going back and forth, mainly because you reminded me that Will Fuller is out now for the season, and that really does change things. Um, as, as his number two guy across from Hopkins, that will be something to watch. So that's why I think the Chargers are above the Texans. The Chargers right now, at least, are clicking. Uh, we'll see what happens. We've seen them have, like, really good regular seasons before or somehow, like, everyone just gets hurt on that team and it just ruins the season. But the Chargers are real because their defense is serious too. Um, number five, I'm going 
back and forth between either the Bengals or the Steelers. I think I'm going to stick with the Bengals, though, just because right now uh, I really like their offensive production, and they've kind of shown some clutchness and ability to win. We know Marvin Lewis has, doesn't have a single um, playoff win in his tenure with the Bengals, but yeah. right now <laughs> this is just top six kind of power rankings. I have the Bengals. And then number six, I'll go with the Steelers over the Ravens because I think Steelers' offense is better than the Ravens. And while the Ravens' defense is real, if their offense can't produce enough, they'll be out on the field too much, kind of like they were last night with Flacco turning it over too much, and they're susceptible to giving up a lot of points. The Steelers' defense is nothing to write home about. You know, Don't get me wrong, but A.B. with uh, the running back who we already talked about, like, yeah, they don't miss – they don't miss uh, Le'Veon Bell too much, it doesn't seem. So those are that's my AFC. Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Chargers, Bengals, and then Steelers. All right. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting because on my, um, for me, my best teams in the NFC right now, um, so I have the Rams, like you guys said. The Rams, I mean, even if you didn't like the Rams, there's no way you can't go with the best team that's 8-0 right now. Um, I don't think anybody really seen them as, as an undefeated team right now, but you've seen them as at least a playoff team and as that one or two seed, but nobody's seen them as undefeated. So the Rams being at 8-0, um, I think that I think Cooper Cup or something like that is injured. I don't know if he played yesterday, but I think he's been out for the last couple of weeks, and I think he was expected to be out. So, But they're still clicking, but you can see where they missed him from yesterday. Um, yeah, that's true. Now, here's, here's what may surprise you guys, and here's why I did this. I believe the Redskins, because of their easy schedule down the road, yes, they play the Falcons, but I think that they can still pull out that win. But here's why. I have the Redskins as number two, because their defense is doing just enough, and their defense is getting the ball back for the offense. Every game that they've won, they've gotten at least two or more turnovers. They're plus seven in a turnover ratio. Should have been plus eight if AD didn't fumble the ball yesterday, but that's okay. We still won the game, right? But if he didn't fumble that ball, you're plus eight. The Redskins, if some way, somehow, we wake up one Sunday afternoon and this team puts up 35, 42 points, and you go, where has this been? And they can consistently not put up 42 points, but like 28, 31. If they can consistently get those high 20s in the points and Alex Smith can start slinging the ball down the field, and we don't know what the trade deadline is going to bring tomorrow, the Redskins could can, can make some noise with this easy schedule and slip into that number two seed. If they can and, at least put up 26, man, a game, I'm very confident they can win a lot of games. But if yeah, they and, sticking around the 18 to 20, it's always going to be a close game. That's the thing. And they're going to lose some of it. And I do agree with you. You can't win them all the time. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if Alex Smith could sling it, get, you don't have to give me 300 yards because I don't expect that. But if you could give me 250, two touchdowns, AD runs the ball a few, you know, 20, 22 times. It gives me two touchdowns. That's 28 points. I could take that because my defense, the Redskins defense, is good enough to hold off teams from getting 28 or 31 points. They only give up like 16 points, something points a game. So if you can get more points than you give up a game, you're going to win games. And um, I have the Saints as three only because, like we've all said, the Saints have a hard schedule down the stretch. And not now. I think the Saints can beat the Rams, but the Rams can also still beat the Saints. And that is where the Redskins have a must-win this weekend. Because if the Saints we'll lose to out. the Rams, right, if the, if the Rams beat the Saints and the Saints drop to 6-2 and, and the Redskins find a way to stop the, the Falcons' passing game, 
okay, and they go to six and two, you're still going to be in the third seed. But now you make it so hard on the Saints because you got the Buccaneers in week, you know, 10, and they still got to play a pretty hard team. The so Saints we're rooting go- for the Rams. We're rooting ultimately for the Rams because if the Rams beat the Saints, then the Redskins, and if the Redskins beat the Falcons, you're tied at the, for the number two seed. The only reason the Saints will have the two seed still because of the head-to-head. Yeah. So at this moment, you want the Rams to go 9-0 and ultimately to get the mm-hmm. two seed because you're not going to catch the Rams. You're not. You're just simply not going to. Now it's doable because we still have nine weeks to go. But if you look at the real picture, unless Jared Goff or somebody on that offense from the Rams goes down, it, you're you're not going to catch the Rams. So right now, what the Redskins are chasing is that two seed and a bye week. That's what they really want in the home game and the divisional round. You know, and that's just what you're looking for. So, yeah, as Redskins fans, we're we're, we're rooting for the um for the for the um. Rams to beat the Saints so that you could be tied if you could beat the Falcons for that number two seed. Now, my number four seed I have to have just because they got Aaron Rodgers is the Packers. You can never count the Packers out of a division whenever they have Aaron Rodgers. I get it. He has the brace on. I understand that that's something that's going to make him durable. But right now, the way he even played yesterday was like, this dude could have had 30 points. He still can sling the ball with the brace on. So I have the Packers as the fourth seed. Um, and then I have the Packers and Bears. I have the Bears because I think just because they got Cleo Mack, if they can if they can stand up enough on defense and put up the points like they have been on offense, they can sneak in as the sixth seed. I think they are the team that ultimately will knock out the Eagles, and I think it's going to come down to those two teams having a flex game at the end of the at the end of the year, and those two teams, one of them have to win, one of them has to lose. And somebody has to win to get in. That would be a great showdown. It would. Now, they don't play each other. They don't play each other. But what I'm saying is I think that in the the NFL, they flex games that mean a lot. And if they flex one of those games, like, to an 830 at night, because remember, week 17, there is no night game. They leave that slot open for a flex game. So they can flex one of those teams to a night game and flex one of those teams to a 425 game. And then now – it's not like you're looking at each other at 1 o'clock. They like to make it to where one team looks at the other team and the other team doesn't even really know what's going to really happen. So I, I have those two teams. I think the Eagles just missed out only because Carson Wentz came back late. The defense gave us some games. They should have been better than they were, and they weren't. For the AFC, like you said, um, Subir, I, as much as I don't like the Patriots, you can't go against them. That, they're the class of the AFC, period, until somebody knocks them off. The problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is they've had 12 and 4 seasons. They've had 13 and 3 seasons. They've gotten knocked out in the first round. I don't care who the quarterback has been for the for the Chiefs, they've gotten knocked out in the first round. It's just they they seem to get in and then they can't get past that first round all the time. Um it's the Chiefs Reed thing. Yeah, it is Andy Reid thing and that's why I can't put him as a one. Now he's going to go as my two seed because he has Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of this league even though he's throwing six interceptions, you overlook the six interceptions because of the 26 touchdowns. So the dude is on fire. He's lost the one game. He even played pretty darn well against the Patriots, but he's still my – I still think they fall to the two seed. The Steelers is my three um, because James Conner is going off. Um, as long as you got Antonio Brown, you can, you can make it to the playoffs. Um, the Chargers, I have them as the fourth seed, but – 
they we really have to see how they go along to the rest of the um, season because I don't, I'm not sure of the Chargers' schedule, but I do think that they don't have the easiest schedule at the at, through the um, second half. We know the Redskins does, but I don't know what their schedule really is at the end. Um, the Ravens is the fifth sneaking in, and the Texans only because Fuller went down. Because I think what's going to happen now is a lot of people are going to start doubling Hopkins. It's going to be cornerback and safety over the top. And that's going to ultimately try to shut down Hopkins. Now, will you be able to do it? Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. But they're going to try to shut him down. So don't be surprised if there's games that Hopkins just doesn't have a good game on. So those are my one through six for the NFC and AFC. And I think we're all kind of close on who we have in, who we have out. There may be a few teams there, here and there, that we have in or have out. Um, Super, I think you had the Eagles in. I have the Eagles out and I have the Bears in. So, yep. So, yeah. uh, so we're going to move on from that. And we're going to move on to coaches. This is the last thing in the NFL. Coaches on a hot seat right now. We know that the, the Cleveland Browns already came in and did what they did. So they're not even on this list because they've already made the moves before I can even make up these segments. Right. Um, Super, I want you to go first this time. Who, who's your, like, three or four coaches on the hot seat? Yeah, I got four of them in no particular order. And just to say before I go into this, I'm not sure of their contract situations exactly. So if you guys know, then you can chime in. But I got Jason Garrett for the Cowboys, Vance Joseph for the Broncos, Doug Marone for the Jaguars, and Mike Tomlin, maybe a surprise one for the Steelers. Um, I think I can make a case for any of them. Jason Garrett, obviously, he's known as Captain Clap. You know, whatever they call him there. That's all he does on the side. <laughs> um, he just, I don't know, he can't get the most out of the team. It's been too many years. People, you know, say he's kind of just a puppet for Jerry Jones. That's why Jerry keeps him, because he can kind of do whatever he wants. Garrett is so passive. Um, then I got Vance Joseph for the Broncos. I think that experiment depending how this season goes, might be over sooner than it started. Um, Doug Marone for the Jaguars, just because of how this season now has turned. Uh, I, I don't know if he has a long-term contract right now, but depending, I mean, it, it seems more of a quarterback situation there because, I mean, they were great last year. But just the decline of Bortles, and I don't know. I don't know how that locker room is, but Doug Marone is on my list. And then Mike Tomlin, if the Steelers don't make the playoffs – you know, they've kind of been floundering. They got they gave up so many points last year in the playoffs to Jacksonville and lost at home. Um, Freaking Steelers only have only had three coaches in their whole history. Um, and I think that Tomlin's time, I would I would have him fourth on the list of coaches on the hot, hot seat. All right. So, uh, Drew, who do you have as your top four or your four coaches on a hot seat through week eight? Uh, yeah, I think that um, I don't really need. I'm, I don't need really probably to elaborate too much of what uh, Sapir's gone through because they're kind of similar. Um, right now, I would say that probably my uh, my four would be um, Shermer in New York, Garrett in Dallas, Marone in Jacksonville, and um, Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati uh, would be my top four. Okay, so my top. My top four, one through four, that I have in no particular order. Um, first of all, I think this is the year that Dallas finally lets Jason Garrett go. Jason Garrett has been a puppet. Jason Garrett has been that puppet that has held people's hands, and Jerry Jones has held his hand way too much. Um, I'm going to be honest. Jason Garrett blew that game against the Redskins. 
with the way that he managed that clock. He pulled an ultimate Jay Gruden. Let's be honest. He pulled a Jay Gruden right there. That is something that you see Jay Gruden do, not Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett has gotten worse and worse over the last couple of years at managing the clock. Jason Garrett is not a coach that, you know, there's times to be friendly and there's times you need to get on people. Jason Garrett never does that at all. He's too friendly. He's not a coach. He's a friend. And he needs to go. Marone, I think is not think he is on my list because the way that the Jacksonville Jaguars went from the best defense ultimately to the worst defense, um, Pat Shermer in his first year as head coach is gone because he lost control of that locker room. Um, they can't do anything. And I don't know what else to tell people about. And he looks – I mean, he looks lost, to be honest. He looks lost, this, yeah. I mean, this past week, every time they went over to him, I'm like, does this guy even want to be here, you know? He just looks like he doesn't want to coach Beckham. Um, and that's the first big problem in New York. Beckham can't keep his mouth shut. Beckham always finds a way to get himself in trouble by the owner or the coach. One thing I will say that Ben McAdoo did, even though he lost the locker room in his year two, was – Ben McAdoo would learn how to tell Odell Beckham that he needs to learn how to shut up and be quiet. Pat Shermer can't do that. He's too – it's like he's lost in the stars. So, Pat Shermer's gone. Um, and uh, so I said, Dumbarone, Pat Shermer, Jason Garrett. Um, I ultimately think uh, – I can't remember the coach's name from Cincinnati, but I think the coach from Cincinnati, in my opinion, is gone. I don't think he will be back. Marvin even though Lewis. Been, Marvin Lewis, even though – they're doing good now because I can sit back and tell you that they'll go to the playoffs if they do and lose. That's just what the the Cincinnati Bengals is the class of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs do. That's what the Cincinnati Bengals do. And, and you know, those two in that, in that conference. They go it's what, and they It's lose. like how the Capitals used to be, you know? Yeah, it's like the Capitals were, oh, you get all the way to the second round, but I don't think we want to go past the second round this year because we just don't feel like it. We'll wait till 2018 to do that. Like, why does you wait till 2018 to do that, Caps? So the same thing with the Chiefs and the, and the, the um, Bengals. What are you waiting for? You have all this talent, and you're just not winning. So those are my um, top four coaches on the hot seat. Now we're going to move on to something that's going to be a little touchy right now between all of us. Um, and we're going to move on to why are the Wizards so bad? <laughs> Anybody want to hit on that first? Uh <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I guess I'll start with the fact that I think that um, they don't play defense. Uh, and then pretty much the, uh, I guess, the modern-day league, that it's one of those things they don't do much anymore, unlike the, the, the bygone era from 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but if they re- even remotely played any, they probably would have won some of their games already. But um, I think their, their play, um, and then I think Porter has, has been horrible. Uh, I think he probably, in my opinion, he needs to get back his money uh, <laughs> the way he's playing. <laughs> Go ahead, Super. Look, um, I'm almost like boycotting the Wizards at this point. I'm not, you know, if they were playing well, I'd be staying up uh, all through the night watching this West Coast trip, but, you know, which is what I'm doing for the Caps. But for the Wizards, it's like, yeah, just tell me the score in the morning. Tell me if they kept the team under 200 points this time. Uh, right. You know, um, the Wizards, they don't have a center right now, to be completely honest. And while we keep saying, yeah, just wait till Dwight plays, you know, he'll be the glue. You know, the thing is, this is what you get when you got when you went out and got Dwight. 
he's not healthy. He doesn't play every game. When he does start playing, is he going to be one night on, one night off? So I think at this point, if you're depending on Dwight to get this team going, you're in a bad situation. I thought the bench was was improved. I thought they did a good job improving it. Was it moving at the time? Yeah, and I thought that was the main weakness. I was like, our starters are good. It's just we can never depend on the bench. But now it's like no, nothing works, and they don't play defense. They don't have a set offense. I don't think that half-court offense will work. They're only really good in transition. And, yeah, Porter so far has been disappointing. I try and stand up for Porter, but he's made it really hard so far this season. So the Wizards have a couple things wrong. And I, I'm, I'm not a Scott Brooks fan. I'll just say that. I was going to say, so first, my first problem is I tried to defend Scott Brooks for his first two years, I think it was, that he's been here now. And he – he just doesn't seem to be able to get the defensive thing down. Don't get me wrong; he gets upset at the at the team at the players like he should, but they don't seem to grasp anything that he says. They don't seem to listen to him, and every time we get a center, we 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 don't do anything. My first problem with the Wizards is they had an opportunity to go into this draft and get a center, and they passed up on that. That 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 upset me. They had an opportunity to go get a young center, groom him, and make him yours. Instead, you pass up on a center, and you go get a boy who's not going to be ready for a year. I, I mean, that, that, was, that was a class act by the Wizards, to go do something like that. And the they're second, wasting him on the bench, and, and you need guys on rookie contracts to be making a difference. That's how you become a good team. Instead, he's just – I mean, at some point, I'm assuming that they're just going to have to play him because they have no choice, but we'll right. see. Right, and then another problem um, is they signed Otto Porter to this max deal when they could have taken that $100 million, even though it's split off for four years, and used about 25 of that on other players. It, uh, at this moment, I'm like, you, Subir, Andrew, I'm not even really watching the Wizards. I turn yeah. it to the channel, and if I see that they're down by even five, I don't even watch it. <laughs> it's too frustrating. Because, because, yeah, because when they go down by five and you give them a chance or you even look at the NBA app and you see that they're winning by four, you're like, okay, they may take a little, you know, run here, go up by 10, which they have done sometimes, and then they, they lose by 30. Like, I don't understand. Like, you're going to give me a heart attack that I don't need. You're so bad that I'd rather watch the Redskins, who can't score points, when you're not even scoring, really. You're scoring <laughs> points, but you can't play defense. Whose offense rest, is worse? Whose offense is worse? But at this point, the Wizards don't have no defense, and the Redskins got defense. <laughs> so the Redskins got something. The, the Wizards have nothing. Is it too at early this, to say that this Memphis game is a must win? Okay, because it's 82 games, I will say it's too early to say it. But for the Wizards, like for an overall NBA statement, it's too early. But for the Wizards, it's a must win. As a group, yeah. as an organization, it's a must-win. But if you ask the NBA, it's not a must-win. And the reason I say that is because the Wizards started like this two years ago. They started, but I think it was like they were 2-10, and 2-12, and, and won 17 straight home games. So at this point, it's a must-win for them because they did all this talk about jacking up so many threes, which they have, but you haven't made them all. Like, I just don't understand the Wizards. So that's what takes us to, to the next question. Should the Wizards trade away key players like Kelly Oubre, Otto Porter, Markeith Morris, 
I know there's been talk in the in the in the group about trading away Wall and Beal. I don't think that Ernie Grunfeld is that stupid to do that, because if you trade away those two, you're ultimately just giving up on the season. And you're gonna be you're gonna have you're gonna be in a lottery pick first of all if you do that, and number two, you're gonna go back down to the point where your your TV watching will be ultimately the worst. Nobody's gonna watch the Wizards if you get rid of Beal and Wall. Yeah, unless you get something in return. It have to be a pretty good return, and I don't think that's going to happen. But I, no. I but first contract, I'd love to see get rid of his porters. But the question is, who can who's going to take it? Because it's a max deal. Well, he's already played two years. So the thing is, is I think when I think when you trade a player in the NBA during the trade deadline, and that's all the way until February, I think fourth or fourteenth of next year. At that point, the guy has played out three quarters of his contract, so they only have to pick up the back end. So he will only be left with two years. So it'd be fifty million dollars or something of of that okay. sort. And once a guy's already played out almost two years and the team's paid him out, what do you do? Who picks him up? Who thinks he can contribute? Because if somebody trades for Otto Porter, you're trading because you either think he's a great bench player or you want him to start. So I think the more intriguing trade, which I don't really want him to do. I think it would be Kelly Oubre only because you would get something in return for Kelly Oubre. And you're probably not going to pay Oubre next year. Right. So at, that's, at that moment in time, and that's because you're on the Otto Porter contract. You've already maxed him out. So if you give away Otto Porter, then you can give Oubre the rest of his money and then whatever he needs to give him a max deal. But if you keep Porter, then you're trading away Oubre. So they're in a tough position right now. They're in a really, really tough position at this moment. Who would so, you rather keep, Oubre or, or Otto? Uh, Oubre. Yeah, me too. And give up Porter because Oubre plays defense. He's the only player on his team right now that plays defense. His IQ is just still so low. It's just the bonehead plays, like the out-of-control plays is what always, like, holds me back from loving Oubre. But I still love him, though. <laughs> but but it's like if you could get Otto's numbers off the books and then keep Oubre, who you don't have to pay max money to, that would be the ideal situation. Yeah, because, I mean – First of all, you know that helps them with the luxury tax, number one. So get rid of that contract. Get yourself out of that luxury tax issue. Go look for players you could pick up and then become better. Um, so, uh, Drew, who would you rather get rid of, Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre? Or you could say who you would rather keep. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm with you all, and I prefer to keep Oubre and get rid of uh, Porter if I had my Although my I'll choice. say this. If Otto produced the way that we know he kind of could, like like shooting 45% from threes or whatever, you know, he's lengthy. He gets steals. He gets blocks. He can dunk. If, if we got that type of Otto, I would keep that even on a max deal. But the thing is, you just don't get that every night, and you never know what you're getting this year, honestly. So that's I was about the to problem. Say, I was about to say, he's an inconsistent three-point shooter. That's what he is. And the locker room's starting to get a little bit um... – Messy. Unruly about it. Uh, it only took five, six games for the locker room and all the questions and quotes to come out. Same old. And, and that's what it takes. Yep. And, that, and that, that's what it takes. And that's what I told people. Like, I just don't understand. How are the Redskins playing better than the Wizards? I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I, I really don't. I mean, we expected. Remember the time when we were talking about where the Wizards going to win 50 games or where they're going to be another 45-win team? At that window moment, is closed almost, it That seems. window has closed because are you even going to win 30 games? Like, that should be on your mind. Are you even going to get know. to 30 wins? Honestly, dude, like, 
the Wizards might have already missed out on their chance. I know LeBron being in the East always like lowered their chances, but when they were playing Atlanta and like that that playoff series and Wall hurt his wrist, remember, we could have gone to the uh, conference finals. Then they lost in Game Seven to Boston. That was your big chance. And you know, eventually, yeah. it's like other teams step up, like the Bucks, the Pacers, and you start going lower. So that could be what the where the Wizards are at, and this is like, is it getting inevitably to a blowing up the team situation? Yeah, and that's what I was afraid of. The Philadelphia 76ers were good yep. last year. The, the the Boston Celtics, again, just like Philadelphia, tra- um, traded away players but got some really great picks. You got Brown, you got Tatum. You know, it, it's like the Pacers traded players but got drafted as well, got better. You got the Miami Heat that's going to hang around. They're better. How? Don't ask me. They got Dwayne Wade, the oldest player in the book. They, you know, how, just how have you slipped down when you got Bill and Wall and Porter? And this was the year slip? that LeBron left. This should have been your year now. This should have been your year to be at least their third seed. Yeah, and that's what I saw. That's what I was saying. Because that one year they started 2-12, and 2-10, and 10, and they reeled off and got back above 500 and got back to being a four seed, which was a surprise, but... You can't keep doing that year after year after year or every other year. Eventually, you're going to be knocked at the bottom, and that's where they're at. They're just lucky that they're not the one team that's without a win. So, you know, that, that's that's what I think they do have to eventually, if they get to the point that they're like 2-10 and 10, or even like if they're 5-15, and 15, that you have to get to the point that you blow this entire team up when it comes trade deadline if you even have 30 losses at that time and just say, we're giving up. Like, we, we just can't do anything with this team, and we have to trade away. Um, the players, and we have to get uh, draft picks to bring in young players and just do this for the next two or three years. But By then, then Scott Brooks will yeah. be gone. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, you have to start over with a new coach as well. Cause but but you know point, what? Yeah. If you're giving up on the team, you might as well start over with a new coach because you want the Cromartie, you want that, that, that co- co- you know, that cognizance that teams can have together from one coach if you're going to start over. Yeah, the so question I will agree is, with that. what are the options for replacement? Well, there's coaches out there that probably will want to um, a either come from a really good class NCAA team that's very good and can bring that style to the to the NBA. Not a lot of them translate into being great coaches, but at this point in time, what are the Wizards doing good anyways? You got to take your chances somewhere. So, I mean, you just take your chances, and that's just what you have to do. So, yeah. um, from that point, we're gonna move on to a very intriguing. Um, question i'm going to ask you guys but before i get there i want to congratulate even though i don't like them i want to congratulate the boston red sox on winning the 2018 um world series um alex Cora came over from houston won the world series last year came here won the world series here so he's the only person player coach on that team that's won back-to-back world series which is funny to say so again congratulations to the boston red sox on um Winning the World Series last night. I know they're still partying, drinking, wherever they're at. Um, it's going to be a fun week, just like we had a fun week when the Capitals finally won something for the first time in 44 years. So, um, But the question I want to ask you guys, and uh, Drew, I want you to go first on this one. Tell me where you think Bryce Harper's destination is going to be in free agency. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think he's going to – I suspect he's not going to be here. I would say – the my top three destinations would be Chicago, um, to play uh, with the Cubs, or um, either L.A. for the Dodgers, or even the Yankees. If you know, they always seem to try to make room 
for a player of his caliber. So I think it's, those are the three places I think he could end up. Well, the Yankees have already told people today they're not pursuing Bryce Harper, and he's not in their mind. He's not coming to New York. They don't want him. That's pretty much what they said. I think they said that because they got John Carlos standing Aaron Judge, and sometimes mm-hmm. you bring in two firepower, and it doesn't work in the locker room. It's like bringing in three Antonio Browns on one team. <laughs> Everybody's going to want the ball. And if the two of them don't get the ball, the two of them are going to be pissed off, but there's going to be one happy player. And that's the problem. So, because if you take Bryce Harper there, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are your outfielders. Where are you going to place Bryce Harper at? He's your ultimate, your... D- your ultimate DH. Right. So, do they, but they have a DH. So, where does he really go? Does he come off the bench? Does he come off the bench as a pinch hitter? Because that's not where Bryce Harper is. He won't be happy there for that. So, no, Subir's, you know, where do you think he's going to go? Uh, I honestly, your guess is as good as mine because, I mean, I, I would say, like, if he had to go in the division, which would be crazy, I think Philly is actually an interesting team because I think they have the financial capabilities to sign Bryce, and that's also an up-and-coming team. Um, I just think, like, that would just be crazy for him to stay in the division and then tr- play us every day, every uh, every year. And then beside that, I mean – if the Dodgers have the capability, but I just don't see him really fitting in there. That's already like kind of packed with some people. Um, Machado's probably leaving. Yeah, and who knows where he'll go? And I that's an interesting conversation. Is if his uh, value decreased at all? Just by the way he kind of acted this playoff series, kind of seems like a villain at this point. Um, yeah. Um, but beside that, I really don't know the Cubs. He's friends with, uh, what's his name, their third baseman, um, uh, Zach Bryant, or uh, whatever his name is. Chris Bryant, yeah. They're boys. And I don't know, that that, that could be, like, obviously a team that's um, world or able to make a World Series. But it's interesting. I would love for him to take a hometown, hometown discount, but I'm not willing to pay him $300 million, I'll say that. Well, I'll tell you this. So you guys are going to be thinking I'm crazy. And the only reason I'm going to say this, I'm going to still give you my two other teams besides here. I think he stays. Here's why. Um, Scott Boris came out. Somebody asked him a question from Yahoo Sports when they interviewed him and said, what's the update on Bryce Harper? And they said, well, he says, well, we already know where Bryce Harper is going to stay. Bryce Harper already knows. I know. He's already decided. Okay. First of all, people don't usually make comments like that to be funny. They go viral. Do you agree? You don't make comments to make, to, to, to make it go viral to be funny. Now, you make it so that people can start listening and watching, but you don't make those type of comments in national media for people to not pay attention. He yeah. made those comments for a reason. And if Bryce Harper – now, Bryce Harper couldn't sign anywhere, I don't think, until after the World Series was over anyway. But the point I'm getting at is I think he's going to stay because the Dodgers – I don't think – okay, Dave, Dave Roberts may be fired. He went to the World Series two years in a row. The fans don't like him. He may be gone after this year. You can't keep going to the World Series and lose and stay. I mean, some, some, some teams keep you, but I think he's gone. So if the fans don't like him, they booed him yesterday. You got booed in an ultimate must-win game. Um, I don't think he goes to L.A. I don't think he even goes to Chicago because they still got Russell and um, Chris Bryant, and I think that they will be taking on a big financial hit. The Phillies is a is a list is one that he can go to, um, you know I don't think there's really a whole lot of teams out there besides the Phillies 
or you, if you think about it, what about Arizona? Arizona can use a Bryce Harper. They signed Goldschmidt back today to a longer-term deal, I believe. I can't remember the, um, the terms and details of it, but they signed him. So he's there for, I believe, another two or three years. They're but don't certainly you think up they can... and coming. They're a solid team, no doubt. Right. So the, so the Arizona Diamondbacks can use Bryce Harper at this moment. So I think, as, as all three of us said, it's up in the air. We don't know really where he's going to go. It'll be surprising if he does stay here and takes a hometown discount because he would be the first player in Washington history that takes a hometown discount. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say this, though. I think if you're a team that signs Bryce Harper, you have to be a big market team just because you got to be able to pay for it. So small market teams, I don't think have a chance. That's why a lot of people point to the Yankees and the Dodgers and so on. Yeah, because you got to have the money. Yeah. So before we continue, I want to tell you about DMV uh, Sports Network's library podcasts. They have the NBA Quick Report podcast on Sundays, the Hogcast, a Redskins show on Mondays. It's about time DC, a show that covers all things DC sports on Tuesday. Add on Wiz every Wednesday. Fantasy Fever, as we're going through right now in the NFL with Marcus on Thursdays. The Dom and Thunder show, where they cover national topics <clears throat> with a DC niche. And on Fridays, on Fridays, and the D.C. Power Play, or Washington Capitals podcast on Saturdays. All of these shows are available wherever podcasts are available. So please check these out. And if you like any of these shows, don't hesitate to leave us a review or even subscribe. That about do it for us here. Hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, subscribe to us, whatever podcasts are available, and maybe even leave us a review on iTunes, as that will help us grow in the charts. Uh, thank you guys for joining me today. I really appreciate your time, and uh, enjoy you guys' week. Thanks. You too, man. You too. All right. Thank you.